Looking to find collectible figures at low cost with superior customer service? Fanboy Collectibles is one of the largest retailers of high-end collectibles on the east coast of the USA. Carrying a full array of hot toys, enter-based, sideshow collectibles, 3A and all the top manufacturers. The Mexican International Package is shipped daily, all fully insured with tracking number and securely packed. Getting it to you as quickly is important, but not as important as your collectibles arriving in pristine condition. Are you looking to pre-order an item to guarantee you don't miss it when it's released? Well, Fanboy Collectibles does that too. If you've got a question about an item, give them a call, shoot them an email, or even leave them a message on their Facebook page. Fanboy Collectibles is available full-time to respond to you and to get your items to you as quickly as possible. Anyone can make a sale. Fanboy Collectibles knows the key to being successful is repeat customers. That comes from doing the right thing by you and making customer services their priority. Fanboy Collectibles. For some it's a hobby, to them it's an obsession. And welcome to episode 29 of the Hot Toy Cast. I won't go into my usual, you know, an- 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 anecdotes about what episode this is. We've got a special guest on our show, and we're delighted to have this particular guest on our show. It is Mezco, and is Mez himself from Mezco. How are you doing today, Mez? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. great. Thank you very much. Yes, excellent. We're delighted to have you on because, quite frankly, people are going nuts. For Mezco at the moment, you you guys have what I would call have hit this sweet spot, I think. And you know you're hitting a sweet spot when you know CB from uh, the Four Horsemen is raving about it. When he raves about something, you know you've hit a home run. When he's raving <laughs> about the figures, and he's all over the one twelfth. And as is my friend Pixel Dan, and a lot of others. And perhaps, I mean, I have the only one I have so far is the Dread. I have the Dread one twelfth. But we know you guys have been going for a lot longer than that. But it just seems that the this one twelfth scale is really caught on fire. But before we get into any of that kind of juicy stuff, I'd like us to maybe just go into just a little bit and give us a little bit brief history about yourself, why you yourself got into the industry, you know, what what were the reasons for setting up Mezco? Was there was there a particular catalyst for all of this stuff to happen? Uh, could I just round it off by saying I'm a glutton for punishment, or? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, honestly, the 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 real short of it is is that uh, I've always wanted to make toys since I was a kid. Like, uh, you know, when kids are that like five or six year old age, where they're living somewhere between reality and the dream world, and uh, they want to be firemen or spacemen or cowboys or cops or whatever the heck it is they want to be. Um, I literally always wanted to make toys. So um, I've been fortunate enough to actually see that through. Um, and yeah, that, that that's that's pretty much the short of it. What were your favorite toys as a kid then? What were the ones that kind of fired you up the most? Oh, God, there was a lot. Um, I kind of had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, it was it was all over the place. It could have been anywhere from like the old six million dollar man doll to oh, uh, the tw- always yeah, that. to the twelve inch. And, and you know, it was it's like it's similar to the way I kind of creatively work now with toys. I kind of fall in love with thing at the moment, um, and then stay in love with them. But apparently, there's some big love thing going on where I keep adding things into the relationship. Um, <laughs> You know, like I had, I had this doll called uh, this figure called Pulsar. I, it was somewhere between a doll and a figure. She was just so massive the Mattel, that had like a whole. Uh, I, I guess it was Mattel. I don't remember, but uh, he had a lot of pumping organs inside of him. I I loved that thing. Um, Twelve inch GI Joes was huge for me. Um, Mego stuff was huge for me. 
uh, Micronauts. Um, I've been I've been having an ongoing love affair with Lego since uh, since before they had Lego people, and I still probably spend more money on that than I'd like to openly admit. Oh, yeah. um, only because they're so goddamn expensive now. <laughs> Did you get the Ghostbusters uh, fire station? It's the question. Did you get? The I did. I have. I, ha I haven't started to build it yet. I actually. I. I. Um. I've been traveling a lot, but I. I just finished my. Uh, 1966 Batcave. Um. Oh. My girlfriend and I are gonna are gonna get into the Ewok Village. Uh. We built the Echo One already. Oh. Right. Uh, she. She likes. She likes. She likes to build stuff with me. And then. Uh. And then. Yeah. Next. Next up is the. Uh. Is the firehouse. From what I understand, it takes like ten hours to build that thing. Solid hours. Yeah, it looks you, huge. <laughs> if you're to start from that, man, my friend of mine got the Doctor Who little set thingy that you you play with the video game or whatever. It took us ages just yeah. to build a time gate. I'll be weird there for two hours, but you know. We... <laughs> well, a quick sidebar on Lego: the, the first uh, or one of the first big sets I got was that Death Star that they had come out with. Oh yeah. But it was it, for some reason the first generation of that, which is the one that I got, the uh, the bags and the book, uh, the instruction booklets weren't numbered. So oh, literally, oh. it was just one massive phone book and a bunch of unmarked bags, and they somehow expect you to like, you know, dedicate half a floor of your house to <laughs> sorting out pieces before you could even start to like try to figure out what you're doing with that. And I, I've never, I've actually never built that thing because I was just like, you got to be kidding me! I, I don't know what to do with that. I, that's like a retirement project. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely one for when you get a little older, I think, and, and to get your patience nice and mellow on. But what, what were your um? Why? Why did you set up Mezco? Like, was was there a particular? Were you were you like saying, "Oh God, we can do that," or I I really wanted to do that? I mean, was was there some particular catalyst that that started you founding Mezco? How did you go about founding Mezco um, starters? Okay, so so the the start of I mean the catalyst was that I you know I I was working in a family business in the apparel industry. Um, at some point, my uh, my dad retired. Uh, and uh, I was I was running the business. We were a domestic importer. We decided to you know like in, importing was killing us. Just the, uh, the the playing field of the industry was changing. Um, and uh, I had no great passion or love for making girl dresses. Uh, go figure. Now now of course living dead dolls has changed that a lot. But anyway, um, so I just I just decided to like get out of that, get off you know the hook with you know being responsible for the whole shebang. And I was at that, you know, like, I guess 30-something decision where I could have gone to work for another company in that uh, in that profession, um, since I did have a good 360-degree knowledge of the business from production to sales to managing to whatever. Um, or I could go for making toys, which is what, like I said, I really always wanted to do. So, I, you know, I just said, to hell with it. I'm going to go for it. I don't want to... I don't want to be older and feel like I missed out on an opportunity and I was young enough to be uh, disillusioned enough to realize that I might be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Disillusion um, can create I, greatness sometimes, I find. Right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> uh, that or alcohol, but I don't drink anymore, so I have to, I have to go with, um, with the other. But um, So, yeah, so, you know, that just started um, a process of trying to figure out how to do that. Which, um, you know, which really started with, I had started a company called Mezco Incorporated, uh, Mezco Inc. Um, I was at a, a horror fan show called Chiller 
and met up with this guy named Stefan Linder, um, who was a garage kit modeler from Sweden, I believe. Right. <clears throat> he had this beautiful Nosferatu uh, garage kit that he had sculpted based off of the uh, poster artwork for the Nosferatu movie, not based off of Max Schreck's likeness or anything. Right. Um, so I, I really I linked up with him. Uh, I started the process with that. Um, from there, like uh, I, you know, um, for anybody who's kind of followed the company, it's not a big secret. But um, I had linked up with uh, Digger from Art Asylum. We had started a joint venture called Aztec Toys. Uh, pushed forward that Silent Screamers line. Um, that partnership kind of ran its course and. Uh, dissolved after the first Silent Screamers uh, line. And at that point, I decided instead of continuing with Aztec Toys, since Aztec Toys was kind of a portion of Mezco Toys and like, and whatever, just to kind of clean clean up everything uh, with, without uh, getting long-winded, uh, just rebranded under Mezco Toys and kind of moved forward from there. And from there, we did a second Silent I think the first year of Mezco Toys, we did a second Silent Screamers line. Uh, what year are we talking are... here? Wrong, wrong <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, we're, talk <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about 17 years ago, I guess. Right, okay. Yeah, late um, 90s, 98, 99, yeah. as I remember, yeah. Right, so it was like we picked up, I think, Reservoir Dogs, Popeye. Uh, we continued with Sound Screamers. Um, I started my partnership with Ed and Damien on Living Dead Dolls, so we had Living Dead Dolls. And uh, we did one of my dream projects, which quickly almost put me out of business, which was Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Oh. One of my one of my favorite toys of all time, but really, uh, again, kind of being young and not knowing better uh, in hindsight, a little bit of uh, a, a dangerous uh, terrain to, to negotiate, and um, and I think scary tales. And you know, we we got, we got we got very lucky. Look, uh, McFarlane was uh, kind of like you know really just. Not not just starting out, but really just changing the playing field of collectible toys and, and raising that bar and kind of taking what was happening in garage kits and putting it into stores as figures. Um, so there was that initial collector's bubble happening uh, yeah. at retail. Yeah. And, um, and it just made it easier for a startup smaller company like me to kind of get into doors uh, immediately where I could, you know, work with the Toys R Us or KB Toys at the, at the time uh, when they were in existence and, you know, and really just kind of be able to quickly market and sell product because there was such a large reception to that and there was there was a large retail base for it. There was, you know, retailers like Musicland, which were fantastic, Tower Records, uh, a lot a lot of them who don't exist anymore. But, uh, yeah, yeah they are. They're, they've lost a lot of them. Look, we've lost a lot of collectible companies and a lot of retailers. So you know, it's yeah. uh, so sometimes sometimes there's a mat. You know, people ask me, oh, like, "What's your secret to you know staying in business?" And I'm like, "I'm too stubborn to quit." That's the thing because really, if if I was a rational person, there would have been times you know along the path where I just been like, you know, sometimes you know uh, what Kenny Rogers says is right, and you just got to know when to walk away and know when to run. But I just don't. <laughs> well, I'm thankful you haven't, to be honest. But. <laughs> I appreciate that, and I appreciate you guys having me on the show. It's uh, it's 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 an honor. Uh, oh, we're we're glad it's, uh, uh, to see again. That this is your first interview. This is my first interview in a long time. Uh, you know, like uh, look, when I first started the company, I 
kind of made myself more accessible. I uh, I was not as privy to some of the insanity of uh, look. I, I I appreciate all of my fans and they're fantastic and and all of the fans of the brands that we support. But you know there there like with anything you know there's there's just drama and insanity and anything. Yeah. Um. So so at some point I kind of just separated myself from that. And I said let me focus on doing the best I can in my business. Um. But uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a long time since I've done uh, an interview. And, Excellent. Uh, and we are. We're extremely honoured to have you, sir. Absolutely delighted because, as I said, we've been we've been raving about yourself. But we're gonna we're gonna get onto some juice, juicy stuff in a bit. But what we're gonna do, if it's okay with you, we're gonna field out a few questions. So what I did was I went on Facebook, on the Mezco groups, and I went on Sideshow Freaks and asked the, the folks on there to lob us a few questions. So some of these are gonna be a little bit random and and, and, and out of sync and stuff. But I'm sure they will always inspire us always with these interviews that we have on the Hot Toy Cast. Some good old good old conversation can be sprung from a few little topics that we can kind of stumble into but uh, Mike did you want to want to take that check take on the first question sure there? I'll I'll take one here hey, this is like the standard nerd question that gets asked every time yeah uh, <laughs> so if you could choose if there was like one intellectual property one license you could get your hands on that you haven't what would it be and uh, why if there was one brand or license I could get my hand on. Well, all right, so I kind of have to answer that question a little bit backwards. If there were two reasons that I got into making figures, I would say that it's Frank Miller's Dark Knight and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Those are some of my favorite, like, mainstay, just things that really push my geek buttons. I'm a, I'm a massive Batman fan. Um, I love the Indiana Jones brand. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is probably my number one favorite movie. Yay! Um, yeah, it's a great... I, I just like that old pulpy... And, you know, and Miller has a very pulp fiction vibe in a lot of his uh, work as well. Um, I just I just really am drawn to that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've been I've been really lucky that, you know, I could... Uh, I could... If, if I wanted to, not that I'm going to, but if I wanted to, I could check one of those off of my list um, already. Uh, so there, there's, there's, there's one more to go. But um, I would say that you know those, those are the brands that that really uh, uh, are are. <laughs> that was a deep sigh. I don't know who did that, but that are, that are close to me. Um, but there, you know, there are so many things that that I enjoy. Like, like I was saying earlier about like you know when I was. Uh, buying toys as a kid and playing with them that it it kind of morphs i mean we you know we've been very fortunate i i, I love the marvel brand um you know dc and marvel and 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 warner brothers cartoons pretty much raised me anyway um so uh you know like it, it's just it's 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 great to be able to kind of play in their sandbox a little bit and be able to uh, uh utilize uh their brands and bring some product that you know we think is cool you know, to market. Well, you must have been absolutely delighted with the final result of your Dark Knight figure and and the variations of it and stuff. I, I think that was that was the one that really I think rubbers like that was when everyone really paid attention to this particular format of figure. I think, but, but uh, yeah, I, I was happy. I mean, I'm I'm always a terrible critic of of, of our own, of our own work. So you know, and when you when you develop a product it's it's so easy to see all the things that you could have done better yeah um just because you're so you're so in depth with it through every process um that uh, and fortunately you know we we do have plans of extending that line it's uh it's just uh, there's there's a big calendar juggling thing that we have to kind of work out yeah. um 
as well as we were we were planning on expanding the uh, the Dark Knight Returns line uh, a little bit quicker, but um, but then the Dawn of Justice movie opportunity came into our lap, and I felt like uh, both Warner Brothers and I collectively felt like you know it would have it. There's only so many of these products I could get out in a year um, yeah. before I'm just I'm just asking the end consumer to to you know to give too much to one thing. Um, so I try to consider that as best I can within you know using some business calculations as well uh, of you know stuff that we got to do. Um, so we kind of like tapered back on the Dark Knight Returns and focused a little bit on uh, Dawn of Justice. And now we got to get the Dark Knight Return stuff back into Hopper because we've already developed a Superman, a Joker. Um, we have pre-development on a bunch of other characters. If I had my way, I'd make that whole comic book down down to like you know, Batman dressed in the homeless costume when he's in the liquor store. Down to like the guy that the guy that falls in the subway tracks, like everything. Like I, I'm just that's that that book uh, has made a big impression on me. I think it's it's one of the most important books in the world. I think, and for a lot of people, there's so many things blowing, so many creative minds have been kicked off from a like that kind of book. So it's no, yeah. I think. Frank well, you can be always tell. You can always tell too when somebody truly loves a license they're working on. When a company really loves a license they're working on, because the amount of detail and the amount of uh, of uh, love that goes into it. So and that's apparent in the the one twelve collective Dark Knight stuff. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Now, do you, do you visit the, do you, do you lurk the boards at all? I mean, do you keep an eye on message boards and stuff? I, I mean, I, I'm an illustrator myself, and I do sometimes uh, art for various different products like He-Man, the Masters of the Universe, and stuff like that for Mattel. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always like, sometimes it's looking on what people's opinions are can now obviously be a, 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 a both a blessing and a curse sometimes, and you'll always focus on the bad comments more than the good comments as, as the case. But for, for, <laughs> so, for, for someone like yourself, I'm sure that's an, an extreme pretty extreme thing that I mean so do you do you go on the message boards and check out what folks I, are saying and whatnot I, I don't I don't I haven't in a long time and uh, that's not to discount the value of the feedback that's on there it's just uh, it's a lot of feedback yeah um, and it's and it it's it, it, it at the end of the day you know um, because I, I used to when I and message boards are a little bit simple when I first started doing this you know the the terrain of the uh, internet and social networking and all that stuff has changed so much but um, it's a lot to try to manage so I you know like um, some people in my office do do it and you know and within meetings we we definitely you know discuss <clears throat> some of those comments and feedbacks but I don't personally do it just because at the end of the day, really, the you know, my my opinion is our best effort is to just you know we're all we're all fans here. It's, you know, the, our product is like you know, made by collectors for collectors. So like you know, to to that end, you know, we just try to do what we really think is the best product we can do and hope that it finds its market and that people agree with us. <laughs> you know, and, and so that that that's uh, I I I don't I don't personally go on the boards anymore. Cool. Cool, fair enough. That's understandable. It's a bit, it's a bit of a bit of a minefield sometimes. I'd imagine. So well, I would imagine as what might kind of maybe if if you paid attention too much, it would clutter your own out, outlook on certain things as well. I, I find yeah. that anyway myself. But and uh, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a New Yorker and I'm a little bit of a reactionist. So the last thing I want to do is, is start is start like starting an account and getting in a fight with somebody over some yeah, nonsense. Yeah, you know? yeah, that, yeah. The last thing I need to do with my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it's that's 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 a dangerous slope. I'll tell you. I know from experience. I'll tell you. <laughs> 
Mike, one of the Mike. things that was uh, that that was sort of a trademark for Mezco was sort of the uh, stylized approach to sculpts and and designs. You could always tell a Mezco figure uh, back in the day. Uh, one of the questions here is, uh, what is it that uh, made you take more of an ultra realistic head sculpt approach with the One Twelve Collective stuff now? So, so the you know in in formulating the uh, the idea behind the One Twelve Collective line, <coughs> excuse me, the uh, the the overall mission statement is to have everything have a real world look. So even when we're, you know, even all right. So something as 2D as Space Ghost, we're trying to take that and as much as possible while not drifting, you know, unrecognizably away from the source material, make things seem like they exist in a real world and that all of these things can be displayed and work together within its own universe so that when we're doing a uh i'll try to keep brands together just for the sake of uh uh my licensing partners so if we're doing a dcu superman or a dcu flash or a dcu green arrow i want that to be able to sit on a shelf and look like it doesn't conflict with a dawn of justice superman and a dawn of justice batman um, and so on and so forth. So you know, so I, so the idea is that everything kind of exists within its within this one real world universe. So so to that end, um, that's why you'll see some tweaks on designs as well as uh, you know portrait sculpts that are much more realistic than some of the stylized stuff, which I tremendously enjoy. Um, Within within the line, uh, it's kind of just pull everything together and 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 keep everything in a real world look. Gotcha. Why did you go at one twelve specifically that scale? Um, well, for a couple reasons. First of all, uh, for the same reason I got into the toy business because I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, there's there's there. You've got great companies like Hot Toys and Sideshow and Enterbay doing one six scale stuff. Um, and to, to kind of enter that market, um, and I left a lot of companies out, so I apologize for those companies. I'm just, you know, thinking uh, quickly. But uh, yeah. uh, to, to get into that market, I think that market has enough, if not slightly, a, a crowded playing field already. Um, I, also, I also like the idea of uh, six to seven inch scale figures. Um, I just like that scale as far as something to collect and play with. And, uh, you know, the other thing was is if I was able to figure out a way to bring that one-six scale figure experience on some level, that, that high-end one-six scale figure experience to a one-twelve scale figure, um, I felt like we had something really new and fresh. And, you know, you're talking about spending about a third of the money of a 12-inch figure on a six-inch figure we generally have, you know, a lot of accessories, a lot of bells and whistles, um, and I think it's a great value as, as well as for the end collector, aside from trying to make something a little bit more appealing on their pocket, um, you could probably display about three of them for every one you display of a 12-inch figure. Um, yeah. So that was, that was kind of the thinking behind it. Well, that's why, in my opinion, it might be better opting for it to go like, because I'm hoping that you're going to release the entire Star Trek crew. And so, I mean, would you? Do you I'm, I'm, would that be a fair guess that you will eventually get to all of the the, the original crew? Uh, so, 
is it a fair guess? It's 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 our plan, um, but a lot of that depends. You know, there, there's there's always that double-edged sword where people um, will because even though I don't troll boards, um, I do talk to people at conventions and stuff. Um, sometimes for better or for worse, but where you know I get asked the question, well, you know, should I invest in this line? Are you going to make everything? And it's like, well, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, if, if the line is not supported. Um, then it's hard to, on a business end, continue with it, right? Um, so yeah, we we want to make the whole uh, the whole crew. I can't tell you we're going to make the whole crew because I'm pretty sure there was a lot of people on that ship. Um, <laughs> but but if by the whole crew you mean the core crew, like you know, yeah. like branching out into McCoy, O'Hara, Chekhov, Scotty, um, they're they're all they're all on a list. I can't tell you that they're all in my immediate production schedule. Um, we have a lot of brands right now, and like I said, you know, we we need to. Uh, control the amount of product we're putting out a year and I think that we're, we're at a pretty aggressive clip already um, and you know, you know part of it is the learning curve of this line um, has delayed things a little bit just because you know it's more important for me to get it right and let it be late than to push it out I, I, I'm not I'm not married to a retail situation with this line which is um, a little bit of a benefit on a timing end because if, if I need to delay a line just to make sure that it's correct. This is the line to do it. Um, so you know, like to the, to that end, uh, a lot of our a lot of our product got truncated more towards third and fourth quarter this year, which um, which is you know something I'm I'm been working, which is why I'm jet lagged, working hard to uh, uh, <laughs> resolve so that you know I ultimately I'm looking to get out a core figure a month uh, with whatever it's variants or counterparts may be like let's say a flash and a professor zoom would be timed around the same time uh and whatnot uh so so to that end and i know i'm babbling but sorry <laughs> no nope, babbling, babbling it's all good a lot of coffee a lot of coffee a lot of coffee a little sleep um <laughs> that, that uh that uh you know the the complete trek crew is is something we'd like to do um, you know, next up, who we're looking at is McCoy, uh, just because I like him as a character. I think that you know, and he's always been kind of like Jim's rock. Um, Jim being Captain Kirk. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and, and you know, we're just developing our female bodies, so Ohora would probably be a little bit later in the game because um, we have a couple of female characters that we're looking to push out ahead of her. And uh, yeah, hopefully, we'll get you know at least a comprehensive bridge crew done. Now, here's a here's an interesting quick question, and Mike, you take over the next question after this. But here, here's one. It's, this is going to seem very odd. Why did you include? And I, I have a guess. I have a reason why. But I'm just interested to see what re answer you might give to this. Why did you include a little plastic baggie with a dread figure? Um, to be honest, I bit that from a, another company, um, and I'm. It's. It, I think it was. I think it was Mass Specs or something. Uh, I don't. I don't remember. But the, the the idea is that you can. You know, you can put your your accessories in there to kind of. Uh, you know, so you don't lose them. All right. So, yeah, I thought. I thought it was to fit yeah. like the whole figure in there that you kind of put in your little pocket and kind of take it with you on holidays or whatever. <laughs> a little body bag. <laughs> a little, just a, it's a little body bag for your figure, so you can take your figure away on holiday and stuff. Because sometimes uh, you're away on a long holiday, you might want to, you know, have a little fiddle fiddle with a figure. Yeah, no. So, so one, Japanese, one Japanese figure I, I, I purchased uh, came with one, and I was like, "Damn, that's a clever idea." 
um, and we, I, I, you know, we, we, without being shameful, I just. So there's a lot of there's a lot of small parts. I mean, I I buy hot toys and sideshow and cement based stuff, and even at that scale, there's a lot of small parts. Um, and I'm a take my stuff out of the box kind of guy, and I figure, okay, well, if this is a good idea on how to kind of organize and not lose all of these small parts, um, let's utilize it. Cool, I love that. I see Great. things like that. I love I love those ideas, Mike. The uh, there's a uh, let's see if there's any additional news on a couple of the lines like the Mortal Kombat classic line was pretty well received especially from critics it was a nicely done line um, and of course everybody's pretty happy with the uh, the large Thundercats classics uh, any villains coming with Thundercats classics and what do we got coming with uh, Mortal Kombat okay so um, for Thundercats uh, you know right now we're marketing Tigra that uh, rounds out the adult core team plus we did Mumra who came with ancient, old, crangly Mumra. I've got that um, one. <laughs> glow in the dark. I, I got the glow he, in the dark might, one. Yeah, he might be my favorite of the, of the, of the whole line. Uh, He's wicked. But, but anyway, a great, a, great, a, a great line. I was very happy with the way that all came out. Um, I, don't, I don't foresee any more villains um, within that. Uh, we have some more uh, uh, categories with Thundercats, which we will ultimately uh, dive into, but not anytime soon because uh, Mattel is actually doing some of that right now, so we'll probably wait until that's run its course and uh, eventually introduce Thundercats into the uh, 112 Collective. Um, as far as the mega scale uh, vinyl figures, um, I don't think so. Okay, good. I think a lot of, lot of folks will be interested in that one. All right, well, uh, here's we're gonna go through some random questions and, now again. Uh, oh, sorry. Do you want do you want, do you want me to answer the uh, Mortal Kombat question or? Oh yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Yeah, yeah, My no. bad. My bad. Um, I gotta keep you guys honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we 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 um, are still currently marketing the uh, Mortal Kombat X, which uh, is the tenth game uh, in the uh, in in the game's uh, lineup, um, and then. Classic Mortal Kombat, which um, I'm not trying to correct you, Mike, but we haven't done any classic Mortal Kombat yet. Mm. Um, Mortal Kombat is coming up on a anniversary next year. So we're looking at a, a couple of uh, opportunities on what we can do with uh, real, true, classic Mortal Kombat, which might include some more 6-inch figures, uh, some 112 collective figures, and some larger figures. We're, we're still, we're still kind of hashing that out. Um, uh, it's it's you know I, I I don't know if it's just the way I run my business or if it's the nature of the company, but you know we have a production schedule that runs out to 2018. Yet somehow we're still figuring out what we're doing next month, and everything's just kind of moving in parts, like the pyramid from Aliens versus Predator. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. so uh, so like it's 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 on the schedule. It's it's blown out there into the schedule, and yet we're still trying to work out exactly what that is. Cool. Right. Will you guys consider a Todd McFarlane version of Marvel's Venom first and second appearance? Well, uh, I am familiar with Todd McFarlane and his work on Spider-Man. I'm not intimately familiar enough to know exactly what his first and second appearance of Venom was. Uh, I'd have to look that up. But again, within the 112, um, we kind of establish what we feel that core character should look like um, within that real world universe that we're building 
And then, and that takes a lot of nods from a lot of different source material within the comic books, and then implement that into the character. Um, so I can't tell you that we will do a uh, exact Todd McFarlane uh, first or second appearance Venom, um, but I could tell you that you know when we work on Venom that I'm sure his work with that character will be part of the influence on that character. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Mike, all right. The um, you mentioned earlier that uh, you know the potential of Thundercats moving over to 112 once Mattel winds down with uh, their plans. Um, we know that Masters of the Universe Classics is starting to wind down over on the Mattel side, and they've also been pretty uh, lenient lately, or at least more open to letting other companies do stuff with the license. Any interest in doing some uh, Masters of the Universe 112? Uh, there is interest. It's not a conversation that I've had with Mattel yet, uh, so that's that's. And it, it is it is on my list. You know, we keep a long running list of stuff that we want to do uh, within 112. That's for sure on the list, and probably on the list. More importantly, for some of the guys that work with me than for me, because I'm a little bit older. So I was not, you know, I was not a master of the universe uh, guy when I was I was a kid. I was a little bit too old for that. Um, but I, I, I love the brand. Um, but it's not something that we're, you know in the works with right now yes, well from a personal standpoint I would oh, I would love that that would be really awesome I'm a huge I, 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 think, I think it would be cool I mean on that end we just uh, put together a deal with uh, uh, Frank Fazetta's estate oh, so hey. you know yeah so we're gonna we're gonna be uh, doing we're gonna be doing some stuff based off of his artwork in the 112 collective uh, starting with his barbarian you're joking um, and no I'm not joking um, I mean I'm a joker but I'm not joking but uh, and then and then hopefully uh, branch it out from there into other characters like his death deal and he's, he's got some great artwork that we oh, can uh, have oh man that is that is music to my ears sir oh I'm a I'm a huge for Zeta I've got, I've got countless of his statues here at home and stuff like that and I do packaging boxes and design for ARH studios who did all their for Zeta stuff as well so oh, I'm very 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 excited that's great news actually Mike you're a for Zeta fan aren't you yeah. yeah, who is it? The guy was brilliant. That's right. Who isn't? You know, exactly. He he he, de he, de he defined a look of a genre. You know, it's uh, it's not often you see that. Oh, that's exciting news. That's exciting news. Well, I I'm too excited to ask the next question. Mike, go on. You take the next one. I'm rolling. <laughs> I'm rolling on that one. Oh, uh, how about more Space Ghost figures, uh, like Brack or Zoltan? Maybe a talk show desk. Um. So okay. <laughs> talk show desk. <laughs> So uh, again, uh, we we have we have the rights to uh, um, Hanna Barbera characters. Um, I never really considered uh, Space Ghost coast to coast, and again, kind of within. Uh, I hate to be repeating myself so much, but within that universe or world that we're building, that the One Twelve Collective should fit in. Um, I feel like maybe Space Ghost coast to coast might be a little bit off. Cartoony. Uh, well, not cartoony because the whole thing is cartoony, right? Like. Oh, yeah. uh, but just a little bit too tongue in cheek uh, for for, yeah. for for I think we're establishing. Um, and uh, to answer your question about uh, you know like like villains from the show, um, I'd love to, but I, I would be I would not be being uh, transparent if I told you that it, it's in the works. So our, our next efforts towards that is either Thundar or Ooh. Birdman. My my real my real goal is I grew up watching those cartoons when I was a kid. You know that just that whole block of Space Ghost, and I think it was Dino Boy, and you know, and, and Birdman, 
and my tour. Right. So like, like, you know, like I, I'm, I'm getting nervous when we get towards a Hercules just because you can't just do one character. You have to do the whole family and the monsters, right. Or the yeah. creatures. Uh, yeah. Lack They're going to be a challenge. So, so that, yeah, that, that's almost like, you know, again, within, within me saying I, I need to limit the amount of characters that I'm asking a consumer to buy or people to support within a year, that's, that's, that's more than half a year's worth of product if I was to address Herculoids. But where I could do one-off hero characters that might have a sidekick or something, um, then that's what we're looking to do. So, so next up for like our Hanna-Barbera heroes line would be either Birdman or uh, Thundar. Uh, Midor's on the list. Um, they, you know, there's, 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 there's a lot of fun to have there, um, but I don't know if going deep into villains is the right move for that brand, for us. I'm a big fan of Mitor, so I'll be definitely down for a Mitor, I'll tell you, definitely. Oh, I like him. Because he's kind of like... Mitor, He-Man... So, some, somebody, somebody's a sword and sorcerer guy. <laughs> oh, you've, you, uh, I'll, I'll give you a little picture here, Mez. I, in front of me right here, I am set right in front of a Spartan shield from NECA, the big, huge Spartan shield. Alongside that Spartan shield, I have a original uh, Ab Albion, the people who made Marto, the original swords from the Conan the Barbarian movie, the Atlantean sword, and on the other side of that, the father sword. So, yeah. You're not wearing a fur cape and a line cloth. Uh, no, talking, not today. Right? Not today. Not today. <laughs> and in front, in front of me here, I've got the actual Conan helmet from the movie, again made by the same company, and the battle nice. axe, which my girlfriend bought me. Not sure what that's saying, but that just she she bought me that for Christmas one time. The battle axe. As long as the two consenting adults, I'm not judging. <laughs> <laughs> what will she do with that battle axe? Who knows? All right, I'm going to go on to the next question. Swiftly moving on. Uh, how likely or unlikely would it be for you guys to license and make one six Legend of Zelda, preferably Twilight Princess? Um, again, that's actually that's that's very much on our list. Um, we have not had any talks with Nintendo that have moved things forward in a way where I could say it's it's likely. Uh, but it's 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 with within the brands that we feel are you know top 10 top 15 brands on our list that's that's right there so i would love to i'd love to make that happen um but it's not happening right now it's just a matter of me working harder to make it happen right okay cool mike um about how many figures not including variants do you actually plan on putting out each year we've kind of touched on that issue a couple times about you know how much a, a buyer could uh, manage to buy so what really are the plans on a year-to-year -year basis so, so the, the 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 general plan as it stands now um, is twelve figures a year, which should. You know, trying to get things uh, to be right versus uh, on time, and where that doesn't always line up, a lot of things got truncated into the end of the year this year. Uh, so, so you know, and uh, like. I think one or one figure rolled over from last year into this year, which makes this year I think thirteen figures, if 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 I remember correctly. I, I can't tell you. I have a, a count on this off the top of my head. But 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 the idea is uh, for the core figures, not including variants or or spinoffs like a Professor Zoom to Flash, uh, twelve figures a year. Well, that's 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 one a month. 
That's one. That's one a month if I can get them to come out monthly. Yes. Does <laughs> <laughs> that does it kind of bottleneck a little bit then from time to time? Then that you'll have to like manage like three kind of or four up to. Know, multiple kind of deliveries or multiple kinds of, you know, pros, you know, manufacturing points, if you will. Yeah, well, like look, I'll tell you on the dread on the dread figure and on the uh, on the Lawmaster Dreads motorcycle. Um, uh, I, I I needed to scrap things that were already in production because I I just felt they weren't right. You know, uh, Dreads outfits came out and uh, and they weren't looking right to me. Um, and, you know, un unfortunately, uh, you know, we, we have a, a, for a company my size, we have a, we have a pretty complicated uh, quality control system, which goes from, uh, you know, guys that I have going to my factory, they're not my factories, but the factories we use to check stuff on site to my Hong Kong office working on pre-production stuff to stuff getting sent here for us to approve. So at some point, um, Dredd's outfit had moved forward uh, past two of those three checkpoints, and when I started seeing uh, stuff that was rolling off the line, I said, nope, that's, that's not fitting right, it looked wrong, um, and they had to scrap a whole bunch of that and rework and, uh, and remake the outfits. That delayed things a lot. And the same thing with uh, the Lawmaster, uh, some of the paint I felt was not uh, where I wanted it to be. I, I, you know, I, it... it we're fortunate now that we're we're starting to source and find some factories that are working in much higher end collectibles, uh, factories that other companies, like I mentioned before, are using. Um, but initially, the Lawmaster was at a factory that does uh, not—they're not as familiar with the stringent requirements of a high end collectible, and uh, and you know without knocking what they did, the paint just wasn't looking right to me. And I, I honestly, I actually, I, I, I stopped them off production. I scrapped what they did and moved everything to another factory, which uh, hopefully is better for the product, but unfortunately was hellacious for the schedule. <laughs> right, okay. So, I mean, are these kind of factories in kind of, is it word and mouth that you would learn about, and, and obviously through trial and error as well, what factories, because obviously there's, you know, skill is a, is, is a special thing. And, and you know the, the, these factories, some of them will be about just a higher, higher skilled workforce than others. And is, uh, is... It, it, oh wow! I'm sorry. I, uh, I should probably quit my email so we don't have to hear that. Um, honestly, that's a whole podcast within itself <laughs> 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 to answer that question. Um, there's a couple of things because you know um, it's. It's it's interesting and it's challenging uh, working with factories in China. We have we you know I've been doing this for some time now, uh, almost two decades, uh, and some factories I've been using literally for that whole time. Um, so these are factories that I know I know what they can do. I can trust them. Um, and then there are factories that we find that you know we have to try out um, to see where they go and you know learn what their strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and then there are factories that we have sourced um, that specialize in this product. But, you know, with, without getting into the nuances of my business, you know, there's a lot of things that come into play with that. Uh, you know, there, there's how we work together. Um, there's pricing, which is, you know, you know, the unfortunate reality of doing business. Um, if I'm not making money, I can't make more product to ship. Um, and, you know, I, I might as well just go get on a boat and try to save whales, um, <laughs> which I'm not against, but it's not, it's not what I'm trying to do here. It's not in your um, priority list. 
Yeah, uh, well, it, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll go with that. I got nothing against Wales. <laughs> against Wales. We are very uh, <laughs> pro-whale here on this podcast, everybody, okay? Uh, We're going to have a whale on as a, as a guest here very soon. Uh, but, um, yeah, so, you know, there, there, there's a lot of components that go into analyzing and allocating work to a factory. Um, and as it so happened, just specifically with the uh, with the Dread Lawmaster, um, we'd had a factory that is uh, a factory that I've used for a while that was that was ready to make it, was able to make it, and they would have had the skill set to get done what I needed to. Unfortunately, uh, the tooling ran late, which then prohibited it from falling into their production schedule because they needed to fill that hole that they had set aside for us to run the production because they need to make money and turn on the lights as well, which ultimately uh, cause and effect made me move it over to another factory which we started working with. That didn't work out and then ultimately I had found this factory that's, that's running it now that uh, wound up improving it. So, so, so the, the factory was different than the Batman, for instance, on Dread? Uh, the factory that did Dread and Batman did the figures. The factory that I mentioned that was initially going to do the motorcycle was the factory that did Dread and Batman. Right. That's, the one, that's the one that it had to move out of their production schedule. Uh, yeah, so... It, it's it, it's not it's not as simple as just making a pretty prototype and sending it over to the North Pole and having uh, elves magically make the stuff. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, because obviously maybe the prototype would have apps and things like that that just might be just too much time and all because it's hours and stuff like that as well. I mean, you know, you got these beep, beep, beep. I mean, I've, I mean, how many like on the on the dread figure now, for instance? Now, I mean, you've got the head sculpting is 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 crazy tight on this, and and the detailing and the kind of plastics that you're using are, for such a small thing are able to hold. I mean, how long did it take you to get the, the kind of like the a the plastic? You know, because the plastic is really nice on the hands. The fig, the hands pop in. You know, I I, I like yourself. I've i and Mike as well. You know, we've got we get a lot of figures and stuff like that. And so, quality is a big deal with me. You know, so I that I I do like I do like my quality. So, how did you manage? Did it take a long time to get that kind of plastic process right? To get just to get the right consistency, so things would pop in, the magnets on the shoulders, and all these kinds of things. It was, I mean, how long did the dread? initially take to kind of kind of get rice or from start to finish uh it 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 took a while and honestly and and uh i i appreciate that you 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 feel that we got it so right um but uh yeah you know it's like the magnets on the shoulders that was um that was a challenge that was that was a lot of back and forth and you know at some point um some one of the engineers in my Hong Kong office had uh, figured out the magnet thing because uh, the initial idea was kind of a ball bearing articulated post that would move. It, my, you know, the, the big thing with with dread on on those shoulder pads is that they're just not practical. No, I um, mean they do they do nothing but block movement. I mean, um, so we knew we were going to make a bike, and I knew I wanted dread's right arm to be able to come forward when he was pointing a gun. Um, so you know. The initial idea was to have those be articulated on a double ball bearing post, um, but it just it wound up not being stable enough and uh, reliable enough, and it was pushing the pads too far away. So, uh, one of the guys in my Hong Kong office came up with the idea for the magnets, but then that was a lot of back and forth on what are the right magnets, how to how to you know how to get those magnets to stay in place properly, blah blah blah, just whatever minutia. Um, as far as like you know, getting everything right with the plastics and all that stuff, um, 
you know, you would think that that would be easy after doing this for almost 20 years, but um, mm. it's always it's always a new riddle. You know, it's like it, it, for some reason, you know, it, and it, it's just kind of the nature of the toy business. Something that you've done 50 times before is still brand new every time you do it. I don't I, I don't know why. Again, it could be the way Mezco does things. It could just be the nature of the beast. I'm not really sure. Uh, I got a, a follow-up here to this same conversation here. One of the questions on here was about DC characters being difficult, but in general, is there characters that you've kind of wanted to do already, and the technical difficulties are still there in the six to seven inch scale that are that are still sort of blocking your ability? Um, I know when the line first started, you and I talked about suits. And, yes. You know, you know multi-layer suits uh, uh, being so a problem. Tell, yeah. and now I see Frank's coming and. Yeah, so so I'll t- like I'm 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 very lucky that I work with a really great team of people. Um, there there's by no stretch of the imagination that anybody listening to this should assume that somehow I'm magically responsible for all this because I'm not. <laughs> I have a lot of good people that have a lot of a lot of good experience, a lot of good thought processing, um, and we all put it together as a team. Um, so yeah, like one of the initial challenges with this line, uh, as you and I, Mike, had discussed uh, in person, I think maybe at San Diego a couple of years ago. Um, and if I'm wrong, then I'll just in my head it's in San Diego a couple of years ago. But anyway, close enough. Uh, yeah, close enough. <laughs> uh, was uh, that yeah? You know, the, the the challenge. One of the biggest challenges with the 112 Collective is that um, everything is half the scale of a 12-inch figure. A 12-inch figure is, you know, far smaller than a human, like, a, you know, one-to-one scale person. The fabrics aren't getting any thinner. Thread and seam lines don't get in. You can make a, th- you know, you can make a seam line thinner, but at some point there's only so thin it could be. And it's how to kind of work all of that stuff to be able to be aesthetically correct on something so small. So one of my one of my initial challenges was exactly what you're talking about. Something like a layered outfit where uh, the Joker, you know, who's wearing a shirt, a vest, a jacket, and then an overcoat, as well as you know, tailored pants, and how to get all those layers to really work. And uh, and and uh, Mike, and I guess you could delete this if if I'm not supposed to say this, but I know you worked with uh, Flatword. Fat world back in the day, and are somewhat familiar with some of those nuances and challenges, you know. And and what what that format did, which you know, uh, Flat World was really kind of like one of the first stepping stones to what I'm doing because that was taking that that Mego format and and raising the bar on it, um, you know. And and you know, and the, I, I I remember you know being very impressed with the uh, with the Dracula figure that had come out uh through flat world but a lot of a lot of that was techniques and how to cheat the outfits um you know like it's not a full shirt the shirt's assembled you know into the jacket whatever to try to reduce layers um which is still needs to be done but we're just you know it's it's the challenge of trying to figure out how to do that while still getting the look of that one six scale collectible figure in a six inch figure um we've we've made some really great strides in that um you know, we, we have a very complicated Red Skull outfit coming out um, that I was surprised how well that really worked. Um, uh, but, you know, there, there, there's, there's always challenges. Look, uh, you know, face paints. Um, I, I, I think that the, uh, the, the face paint on our Spock 
figure I'm super happy with. Uh, I, I think that the, yeah. you know the, the fact the factory they're working with and the guy in my Hong Kong office who's managing that job really, you know, produced something that was above and beyond my expectations, which is generally hard to do because I'm pretty finicky and I have pretty high expectations. Um, you know, so so it's 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 all all of those components, just getting those right and trying to get them to line up correctly and. You know, get them onto the product and 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 get it all done is is always a challenge. Um, but I but I, I do think that we're you know we're we're learning and problem solving as we go along. Um, and I think that you know just having the benefit of being able to analyze some one six scale figures and what they do, and then just trying to engineer that down is so much more helpful, honestly, uh, than trying to figure it all out on our own. How am I sounding now? Better. A, a little, little better. better. A little better. <laughs> yeah. All right. Just give it, give it a couple more seconds. <clears throat> it does this every hour. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll boot through the last few questions now because we're coming up nearly in an hour now anyway. So, okay. How am I sounding? One, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah, you sound fine. I know. Okay. Or at least to me. Okay, cool. I hope, I hope this will record well. It usually does. If it sounds okay, it usually... If it sounds okay on mine, it usually is okay. Okay, so, are you... Let's see. Where are we? Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. Are we going to see uh, lots of villains and females in the next reveals? Or will it be predominantly male heroes? You, you did actually uh, mention you're currently working on a new female body, so that's going to be quite exciting. And you yeah, can reveal so, it? Uh, um, and yeah, well, 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 we'll reveal it at Comic-Con. Uh, we're, we're working on some female uh, characters. You know, it, it, the, and I, and you know, just to kind of loop this back into the question that we were just discussing. You know, one of the one of the biggest challenges that was actually a surprise to me is the bodies, the the buck bodies themselves, because it's not like a traditional injected figure where whatever the articulation is that you're looking at is how you're going to look at it. It's almost like how that acts underneath the clothing, um, and that 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 that's been a challenge. And and the female figure has been far more challenging just because there is a lot more subtlety and you know and nuances to a to a female figure. You you can hide stuff in muscle and bulk that you can't hide in a female figure, um, even if they're muscly. Uh, but yeah, so we're 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 working on some female figures. We're gonna we're gonna debut one of them at Comic Con uh, in July. And uh, as far as villains go, um, I love the idea of villains, and I love the idea of counterparts that work with the characters that we're doing. So um, we're absolutely doing villains. Um, it's not it's not the focus of the line, but that's not to say that it's not being neglected from the line. Um, so so yes, there'll be villains, uh, and there will be females. Oh, I just thought of a great villain for an era in the, the Gorn. A Gorn, a Gorn would be uh, nice. Yeah, 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 that would be cool. Do like would be I'm, very... a, I'm a big Star Trek fan as well. Original series, of course. Love it, love it, love it. Love well, it. Then, then I hope you're enjoying what we're doing. Right? Oh, I'm absolutely loving it. I can't wait to get a spark. He's absolutely, <laughs> they look so good. And they, I, I, Under the facial likenesses, actually, we did have a question on the facial likeness. Or do we cover it? We, we, we covered that, didn't we? Yeah, we covered it. We covered it, we covered it. Yeah, but, keep I, I, up, Eamon. Keep up, keep up. <laughs> <laughs> no, the likeness is well, good. Like, Sulu is particularly good. Like, Sulu likes Really, yeah. I mean, Spock was great, but Spock obviously—he's such a severe-looking man himself. Anyway, he was maybe slightly, maybe easier to sculpt, I'd imagine, than someone like Sulu, who's got more subtleties. And indeed, Kirk—I'd say Kirk was a bit of a headache. Oh, he must be. He's always been difficult for anybody to capture really well. 
I, I you know, I, th- I think, I think we did. Uh, I, I'm happy with the job we got done on all three of them, um, and that's really. Uh, I have I have a I have a, a portrait sculptor that's uh, on staff that uh, is just phenomenal. Like we're we're gonna uh, hopefully be able to show some of our Ghostbusters line in San Diego that we're doing in the One Twelve Collective and uh, the portrait sculpts. Uh, God, if, if 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 for some reason that you know the licensors ask us to change them, it would be a shame. They look phenomenal. Like they're. The, the the guy the the, the guy that that I, that I have working on the portraits is he's really a talented dude and he can really just nail it. Just 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 rewind there a second there. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and the boys. The whole gang. Yeah, yeah the whole gang. In one. In, Excellent. Oh my God, that's that, I, I liked. We you said it so casually there. That's like a bit of a that's that's a hell of a nugget. Yeah, that's gonna go. be a, that's gonna be a huge deal because uh, you know there's a really a renewed interest in the originals with the new film coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that even in in the re-releases of the the kind of cheesy Mattel figures. Uh, yeah, I, I I love Ghostbusters. I mean, that was that was uh, that was a film that I I, I grew up on that uh, that I enjoy. So it, it's it's great to work on it. And uh, and even uh, I'm I'll tell you like the outfits. I, I don't want to sound like I'm tooting our own horn too much, but we got an initial test outfit on the jumpsuit, and I was like, "Holy! All right, I'm not supposed to curse." I was, like, <laughs> I was like, "I was like, I was like, wow! I can't believe that they got all those things done. That looks like amazing. I was really impressed. It doesn't just look like some one-piece jumpsuit. It has the all the little stuff. pockets and all the stuff. And it's you know, like I was like, damn, look at that. Oh, yes. So, so yeah, I'm excited for Ghostbusters. I think." Uh, I think people are going to be happy with what we're showing. And you know, Great. I've, I've got to ask the obvious question. Sorry, Mike. You know, would we be considering an Ecto one in, in, in any of this as possible? Because that's no, that's ambitious, and that's got to be big. Uh, well, 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 Iman, I'm uh, I'm working on vehicles as we speak. Uh, you know, we showed we showed a Batmobile at Toy Fair that um, I am. You know, it's one of the reasons I was uh, in Hong Kong and China for the last month, uh, just trying to you know work out the practicality. The, the practicalities of uh, making that thing and not, you know, breaking the bank on it, which I think we're 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 really close to. So uh, I'm excited about that. So, assuming that there's an, a market for vehicles and that you know we figure out a way to get it done that 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 works, um, and you know, again within the 112 collective, I, I don't want to do a vehicle unless I could get lights and sounds and all the bells and whistles in there. Uh, I would I, I would love to do a, a Echo one. I can't I can't tell you I'll ever do the firehouse. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure our Echo One might cost more than the uh, Lego Firehouse, and you know there's only so much of a uh, of a target price point that I want to I want to uh, fly against. But um, but yeah, I think an Echo One would be phenomenal. I think I think we'd be very happy with the four boys and an Echo One. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and speaking of lines that we love, uh, what's up for Universal Monsters after Frankenstein? So okay, so we we have we have a whole horror section that we're dedicating um, uh, within the One Twelve Collective. So uh, we have uh, Universal Monsters Frankenstein um, coming up next. Will be a Evil Dead Two uh, Ash figure, a a Pinhead figure, um, and then we will continue on with uh, with uh, Universal Monsters. There there is there is there is some complicated waters within universal monsters uh 
that that just need to be kind of ironed out, which is not really on my end. Um, and I, I, I don't want to get into it too much because this is just business between me and my my licensing partners. But uh, but 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 there is there is absolute definite intention to do more Universal Monsters. And, and again, you know, um, being the finicky guy that I am, I was really happy with our uh, Boris Karloff Frankenstein. I think that uh, he looks fantastic. I, I couldn't have expected him to, to come out better. So so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to do more Universal Monsters. I love those movies, you know. That's, that's, that's kind of what set off what has become horror movie like anti-hero monster icons that, that we have now well given that they're revisiting the old, that whole universal thing as well with talks of like mummy and tom cruise and these bigger big huge big stars uh, doing these universal monsters and things i mean these it'll be even more popular again i reckon because people will tend to t tend to revisit we hope so <laughs> Europe listeners, look no further than space. Space, search for popular action figures and collectibles ends. The best service possible and steady accessibility by email and telephone is one of the top priorities at space. They carry a wide range of collectibles, not only from major brands like Sideshow, Hot Toys, Enterbay, NECA and McFarlane, but they also specialize in the exotic and small new manufacturers. A very important department to them is their 1-6 scale section, which is currently getting bigger and bigger, offering lots of clothes, bodies, head sculpts and accessories. Hot Toys is of course one of their specialities, so you can pre-order all newly announced figures from their web store. They often have Hot Toys figures in stock earlier than any other dealers. They are also the best source in Europe for convention exclusives. Space loves what they do, so you can depend on them for secure packaging, ensuring your items reaches you in mint condition. In stock items get processed normally the same day. Pre-ordering customers will be notified in advance once an item arrives in stock and before it gets shipped. Space is located in Germany and offers clearly arranged shipping flat rates to all European countries. On most destinations you can even get free shipping. For EU customers this of course means that you will not be surprised by any customs visa import taxes. Space is serving us collectors with the finest items for over 15 years. If you are located anywhere in Europe, do go to space. www.space-figures.com Right, well, we've got some very specific questions here for some fans regarding, like, uh, shipping. And is there any way to lower the shipping price on the Mezco site? $15 to ship. To ship one drives me to buy them elsewhere, he's saying. He's saying... They're quite quite expensive. Is there anything that you guys can do about about that? And uh, allowing us to bundle, allowing folks to bundle figures to save on shipping costs, like Big Bad Toy Store does, or the possibility of a sideshow collector type monthly code rewards points, or that type of subscription service. Just little, uh -huh. little things like that. Bit of bit of bit, bit okay, well, chew on there. Uh, so the the fifteen dollars shipping thing, um, I you know like honestly, I I. I to be completely transparent, which I generally am for better or for worse, uh, I don't I don't mind the e-commerce that much. Um, you know, it's kind of its its own division. Um, I don't know. You know, if somebody's on the West Coast and we're shipping from the East Coast and they're getting hit with the fifteen dollar to ship uh, one item, I, I don't know it, what what item that is. Uh, you know, size size and weight and all that stuff go into it. Um, so so the fifteen dollar shipping thing you know I, w I would honestly need to know more about the specific details to, to try to even start to answer that but the quick answer is is that we, we just relaunched our website um, which hopefully people are noticing um, we have a lot of back-end features implemented in that uh, that we didn't have before so we're 
you know, there's the process of getting everything smooth on the new relaunched website because there's always bugs and stuff comes up and, and whatever, uh, no matter what you do uh, with technology like that. And um, and then we're always looking to improve and enhance our, you know, our customer experience. So things like uh, what you're saying, like uh, like what a big bad toys does with their, uh, uh, what you call it, a pile of loot, I think, uh, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Or uh, or a rewards uh, program or something are things that we're looking into implementing. Um, I can't tell you it's going to happen immediately. I can't tell you it's going to be something exactly like that. Um, but I, you know, I I do. I, you know, it, as as much as we're running a business here, which we absolutely are, we also want to be able to uh, deliver things that our end consumers can appreciate. Um, in a way that they could appreciate as much as possible, right? Because honestly, at the end of the day, if they don't, they've got lots of other options. Um, so we're absolutely working on trying to improve and enhance that. Uh, it's just a process, and you know that'll that'll start to probably pop up within the next eight to twelve months. Ultimately, we're we're we're, we're working on things uh, that could address some of those issues. Uh, I can't tell you whether it's going to be a pile of loot type of, uh, of solution or a rewards program type of solution or some other type of solution, but we are working on something that will enhance and help uh, the consumer save some money on shipping. Excellent. Well, I mean, the whole, the whole presentation as well is, is really good as well. I mean, when you, when you, the, the packaging on your figures is great. You know, it's, it's really, everything's really nicely done. So, of course, you know, you, I understand that you, uh, you want to care as well enough that the, that the whole the whole experience from buying from you guys is is, is a good thing to do as well. Um, uh, Mike, did you have any final thoughts there before we uh, let Mez go on his merry way? No, I'm uh, I'm uh, pretty well set. It's been great talking to him. I've I've been very thoroughly satisfied here. I mean, we've there's some nuggets on this. There's some real. And I would like to point out that if you've never had the opportunity to meet Maz in person, he's sort of like the ultimate New York version of Ben Affleck. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm hoping to get the San Diego Comic Con this year, so you'll when you'll see and uh, you know about a six foot tall Irish guy with red hair going, hey, that'll be me. Yeah, I'll be easy to spot. Right. <laughs> it, it would be a pleasure to meet you, and and I appreciate the uh, the Ben Affleck uh, compliment. I I, I was. It's funny because I, you know, it happens every time they cast in superhero movies, uh, specific, particularly DC movies that people start to complain about who they casted. I remember when Heath Ledger was cast and everybody kind of like, you know. No, oh, not the guy from Brokeback Mountain. Right, exactly. Or even when Keaton was casted, you know, it was like, oh, really? Beetlejuice is going to be, you know, he'll play Batman once, only <laughs> once, right? Or whatever. Um he was the best. But uh, I was I was excited I, I was excited when they uh, announced Ben Affleck because I because I I could just not not that I think him and I look like each other and it would be great if somebody that looked like me played Batman because I don't think we look like <laughs> each other but um but I thought I thought I thought he would be a great Batman you know and uh, and I, and and after seeing the movie I think he was a great Batman I think you know I think he was uh, if if not my favorite screen Batman definitely uh, one of my top two. Um, Absolutely. I thought, I, you know, I, I thought he did a great job in that uh, character. Absolutely. Well, speaking of, of great jobs, not to butter your bread too much or anything, but you've hit, as I said earlier at the start of the show, you've hit this sweet spot, I think, with these figures because they are, they are, they are obviously a little bit more expensive, but not the most expensive thing in the world. They, they, they are this nice. 
collectible size. And as I said, like, you know, what I was getting back to about the starter stuff, I'll probably opt to get these because these are because I can afford to get the whole crew. And maybe then there'll be hopefully maybe some backdrop because I, I know you guys may be thinking about backdrops and stuff like that as well for these. So oh, we're working on we're working on a captain's chair with uh, with lights and sounds in it. Oh. So that should be yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think it's you've you've got this sweet spot and I think that's why everyone is genuinely so excited I'm even on like I'm, a, I'm, I'm on a lot of 1-6 groups on Facebook and some people have popped up with like your Spock and said what's this and it's like that's it's one twelve. it's Mezco you know check it out they're, so it, it is this lovely beautiful format that they're, you know they're so tangible and pick upable yeah Hot Toys is great and stuff like that and you know I love we love we all love Hot Toys and stuff but I just think because because they're so expensive and things it's nice to have something that is in that kind of sweet dollar value that you you still feel you're getting a really high quality item because i do i'm not going to name other another another company but there's another company that deals in slightly bigger figures and i'm not a huge fan of them i'm not a huge fan of, i find them the, the colors are muddy things are over styled I, I don't really really like some of the some of the other more not a, not hot toys expensive figures and not 12 inch scale but like like some of the other dc ones that you see and things like that like from artifacts and things there i've just named them they're artifacts and i i, <laughs> I personally i personally don't don't like that because I, I while i see that they're really well sculpted and well made they're they're not that sweet there's, there's something about this format that's a sweet spot and has that action figure but the high quality it's like you're a kid but you're an adult kind of combo with Hot Toys, you feel like an adult. With 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 these, that one twelfth and and the, these Mezcos, you feel like you're a kid and an adult, and you're not remotely guilty about it either, which is good. <laughs> well, I appreciate that because pretty much if you're going to sum me up, I think uh, an adult kid is pretty much where you'd wind up. So uh, that's great, and 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 I appreciate the compliments on the uh, on the products. We. We try our best to do it to, to deliver uh, good stuff to people. So well, thank up you, and up, man. up and up, Mez, up and up, and thank you very much for coming on our show, sir. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. Uh, Mike, always a good time catching up with you. Aman, yep. it was a pleasure meeting you. Uh, and take care, guys. Hopefully, I'll see you both Great. in San Diego. See you we'll later. Have right, a good take evening. Take care, man. Good night, folks. I hope you enjoyed our show. We'll, uh, we'll say good night to all of you, and uh, you know, catch you on the next podcast. That'll be up in a few weeks' time, so catch us then. Good night, everybody. Have a good night.